0: Inspired.com presents The Geek's Guide
1: to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 350 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the science fiction comedy series Future Man on Hulu. And this will involve spoilers for the entire first season, so just be aware of that. And I'm joined by three guests. So, first up, we've got Anthony Ha, making his 11th appearance on the show. He covers media, advertising, and pop culture for the news site TechCrunch, where he also hosts the podcast original content. A chapbook of his short stories called Love Songs for Monsters was published by Youth in Decline in 2014, and he has a story forthcoming in Lady Churchill's Rosebud Wristlet. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be back. Then next up, we've got Andrea Kale, making her 6th appearance on the show. She's a graduate of the Odyssey Writers Workshop, and her short fiction appears in the Writers of the Future anthology, Fantasy Magazine, and Lightspeed. She's also a television writer and producer, was the script supervisor for Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and is the creator of the wildly popular Twitter feed Unhealthy Affirmations, Wisdom and Inspiration Reinterpreted for the Clinically Depressed. So, Andrea, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. That will never not be funny, just saying.
1: It gets more popular every time I mention it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And also joining us today is Tom Gurencer, making his fourth appearance on the show. His short fiction appears in magazines such as Realms of Fantasy, and in books such as New Voices in Science Fiction and I, Alien. His short story, All Our Donkeys Were in Vain, appears in the new anthology, The Best of Galaxy's Edge 2015 to 2017. So Tom, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be back. Okay, so let's start with Anthony. So Anthony, had you ever heard of this show, Future Man, before I emailed you about it, and what sort of expectations did you have going into it?
0: I had heard of it, but I think it was coming out at roughly the same time Hulu released, uh, The Runaways, which was a, a Marvel show. So I think I was, that kind of distracted me and most of my attention for, for around that time kind of went to The Runaways. I kind of forgot about Future Man. I was like vaguely aware that it had been renewed. So I had some sense that it must have been d- done okay. But other than that, I just knew it was like a funny science fiction show with Josh Hutcherson. And, I mean, I have to say this is pretty different from what I was
1: expecting. Well, let's say who, who is Josh Hutcherson for listeners?
0: <laughs> he is um, a, I think, a child star who I think some of the, the reasons why he's famous, I'm not 100% clear he, on, but then he, he was, was in The Hunger Games.
2: Yeah, he was PETA in The Hunger Games.
0: Right. I think he did some stuff before that, so I think he kind of came into The Hunger Games. but yeah. But, yeah, that's the main reason, I guess, people will know him.
1: Right. And so I had I was sort of aware, like you, when it came out and I kind of looked at the cover, um, but nobody was talking about it. And the cover kind of it gave me the idea that it would be sort of dumb, I guess. it, um, You know, I, I was imagining it would be sort of like a, sort of a dumber version of Futurama, I guess, where some <laughs> some, you know, modern character would get transported into the future and there would he would interact with different weird futuristic societies every episode or something. Um, mm. That's sort of what I was imagining. Kind of and, like
2: Quantum Leap. That's sort of what I thought, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so so I never watched it. But then uh, they've been advertising on Facebook Hardcore for Season 2, which, you know, which started recently. And I don't know if it's just because of the stuff that I like that they're targeting me specifically. But it was like every time I logged into Facebook, I would see tons of ads for Future Man Season 2. And that made me just kind of curious because I'm like, oh, if they're spending this kind of money promoting it, you know, maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe season one did all right, or maybe, you know, they uh, they believe in the show or something. So that's kind of what got me to check it out. So, uh, Andrea, had you had you heard of the show at all?
2: I had not until you sent me that email. Hadn't heard of it at all. <laughs> totally new to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you know that Seth Rogen is an executive producer? Did you know that?
2: I do know that now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mean now that I just told you?
2: Now that I've watched the show. I did see the credits. Uh, I'm the I'm the read the credits kind of person.
1: Yeah. Are you? Uh, what do you think of Seth Rogen?
2: I like Seth Rogen. I think he's funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I you know I've no no other opinion of him up or down. Why am I supposed to?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, well, you you're a comedy professional, so I I would oh I would figure yeah. you're like hanging out at his at his pad or something. Yeah, or? totally. <laughs>
2: yeah, every weekend smoking bongs and, <laughs> and yeah that. <laughs> best buds
1: no i mean i i i mean i like i liked super bad which I, th- I think he did i'm not 100 sure of that um and he co-wrote uh, it
2: he
0: and evan goldberg wrote it together i think
1: okay yeah i liked that and there's a bunch of things he's done that i haven't watched but um yeah i liked that quite a bit and I've, I've liked him as an actor um and stuff i've seen him in um but yeah i'm not i'm not hugely um hugely familiar with him but um how about tom what do you think did you have any expectations going into this show
3: Zero. I'd never heard of it. And um, when you when you asked me to watch it, I was just like, oh, I, don't, I have no idea what this is. And i would never seen an ad for it, anything like that. So uh, no, complete blank slate.
1: Yeah. How about do you have any opinions on Seth Rogen?
3: Yeah, I really, I really like him. Uh I, you know, I, I watched a bunch of his comedies, Pineapple Express being one that pops into my head right now, and, and I don't remember what names for others, but I probably watched like six or seven comedies he was in, and I always thought he was kind of funny, and then I watched this one, uh I can't remember the name of it, but it was about, it was fairly, it was in the past like five or six years, it was about the end of the world, there was like an apocalypse going on, it was him and James Franco, is that, is that ringing a bell with anybody?
0: This is the end is what it's called. This I think. is
3: the end. This is the end. And I I watched, I gained so much respect for him when I watched that because the whole movie was just basically like take, taking pot shots at basically him and his friends. Like the Hollywood, you know, like young Hollywood comedy guys, just like taking complete pot shots at them. And I thought anybody who can do that is, is super brave. So uh, I, I really, I really liked him after I saw that movie.
2: I think he also wrote the movie Fifty Fifty, which was uh, – I really enjoyed about uh, – I can't remember what's his name as <laughs> the lead, but he, Seth Rogen's like the best friend and he's helping his friend who's just been diagnosed with cancer. And it's really funny and touching. Just saying. Putting that out there.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I, I haven't seen This is the End. I, I remember uh, seeing a trailer for it. I thought it looks pretty good. But then I think it got pretty – hostile reviews um or maybe someone that watched it
3: i'm not shocked that it got hostile reviews because it wasn't like it wasn't at all like a mainstream type of movie and it wasn't like the plot wasn't great but just the premise of like the premise was basically look here's me and james franco playing ourselves and uh and jonah hill playing himself and basically every like young comedy person from that generation you can think of like all playing themselves and saying like look People think we're like, you know, we're we're awesome because we're famous. But really, if you put us in a situation where we had to like do something real, we're just a bunch of selfish jerks. Like that's kind of the comment of the movie, which I, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't I obviously I don't think that anybody could possibly make a movie and make that comment if they really are a selfish jerk. But uh but I just thought it was like extremely brave for him to be like, look. We're all a bunch of selfish jerks, and especially me and James Franco, who are making this movie. <laughs> I I just thought it was such a neat. I, I, my jaw was like open, the hanging open the whole movie. Like, how can they be doing this to themselves? It just completely ripping themselves to shreds. It was it was a lot of fun.
1: Well, right, and if if anyone's not familiar with the style of humor, which I, probably everyone is, but it's 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 sort of like a very kind of like gross, sort of bro yeah. kind of um. I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, sort of like somewhat immature, like a little bit smart, but kind of kind of edgy. Um, yeah. That
2: that pretty much sums it up.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, I I think we should warn people that there is a certain level of grossness to this uh, Future Man show, like, like with a lot of the other things we've, we've mentioned. So if you don't like that style of humor, you're not going to like this show, I don't think. Um yeah, there's a lot of body humor,
0: <laughs> and just dumb stuff in a, in a good way, mostly.
3: Yeah, I, I, I really liked. Uh, I won't. I don't. Wanna, I won't get too far ahead, but I, yeah, I would. I would agree with that. That if you, um, you know, if you're not into, there's a lot of really crude stuff here. If you're if you're not into that at all, just don't watch it because you are not going to like it.
1: Right. So how I would pitch the show is basically I would say it's um back to the future meets there's something about mary and there's something (laughs) about there's something about mary is not you know it's the the fairly fairly brothers so it's not the same like group of people but to me it actually this feels more this show future man feels more like there's something about mary because it's it's less the humor to me of super bad or something like that and more the humor of you have this really nice genuine sensitive guy and everything he does goes horribly wrong, and he's just constantly, like, humiliated over and over again. Um So it's sort of that kind of style of humor in a Back to the Future style uh, science fiction story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's the major source of humor, though. There's definitely a lot of, like, other like there's other char- kinds of character humor and other kinds of, like, horrible things happening to other people, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not just the main character. Lots horrible no, no. things happen to, to other people, as well.
2: Everybody has something horrible happen to them. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. But So, so let's say, So the premise of the show is that there's this character, Josh, and he's, I think, in his early 20s and lives with his parents and works as a janitor at a clinic that's doing research on sexually transmitted diseases. And
2: Specifically he, herpes. It's all about the herpes.
1: Right, right. Specifically her, herpes. Yeah. And um, and he sort of uh, is a dreamer and, you know, wishes that something, you know, bigger would happen in his life. And he spends all his time playing this uh, first-person shooter called the Biotic Wars, where he's the super soldier in the future fighting, you know, sort of monsters, uh, sort of humanoid monsters. And he's the best- person at this game that no one has ever beaten in the entire world and uh, as the episode opens he he finally beats it for the first time and the character two of the characters from the game uh tiger and wolf who are these sort of post-apocalyptic soldiers uh appear in his bedroom in real life yeah. and uh you know and, and tell him that the game is real and then it's a recruiting tool to find the the savior of humanity and that's him and this involves bodily fluids, as, as Tom was alluding to. So, so Tom, do you want to? I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks, Dave. Yes, Tom, please um, explain.
2: You have nobody to explain about uh, yourself.
3: I, 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 when I watched this show, I was like, this show is going to be so much fun to talk about. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. And then I, and then I remembered that I'm a regular contributor to scouting magazine and boy's life magazine. (laughs) And and I thought, Oh darn. Oh gosh. Oh golly. This is going to be really hard to talk about.
2: Is that your way of saying you're not answering this question?
3: (laughs) No, I'll answer the question. I'm just going to do it in a scientific uh, nerd voice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, that, that scene was hilarious. And it, and it, you know, the, the thing started out, I had the kind of like bad Futurama idea too at the beginning, cause the first scene was like this dream sequence where, you know, he thinks he's a hero and then he's really not. And I was like, okay, this is really standard. And, um, and then when the, when the two people from the video game show up, like show up, I was like, oh, maybe it's not standard because, He's in the middle of uh, yeah. Maybe I better. <laughs> this is gonna be really
1: hard. Um, he, you you he... can you can do a tag team thing, Tom, if you need to. Do you want me to say yeah. it? He's yes, pleasuring please.
2: himself.
3: <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a that's a that's a PC way of saying it. Thank yeah. you. He's pleasuring himself, and he's he's not just pleasuring himself. He's pleasuring himself thinking about his favorite character in the game, yes. who's named Tiger, and and he's uh, he's he's. <laughs> Really getting into it, and then all of a sudden, she shows up along with, uh, Wolf, her partner, right in his bedroom, and he opens his eyes and he, he goes, Oh no! And, uh, you know, <laughs> finish it, finishes off basically all over Wolf's leg. And, uh, and Wolf proceeds to ex- exclaim, you know, loudly about that. And, uh, I mean, it, it was, I'm, I'm butchering it, but uh, it was a hilarious scene. I mean, I was, I was, I was, l- I, at that moment, I was like, okay, nothing standard about this show at all. This show is completely going off the wall, off the walls, like original, super fun, but definitely gross and bodily fluids and everything.
0: Although I think what really works about that scene for me is the fact that when it happens, Wolf is angry, but he's not shocked. He's just like, oh, this right. stupid fucking thing is happening. But hes <laughs> it's not like, oh, like I'd never imagined that this could happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And so I was I mean, I enjoyed the scene. I wasn't totally sold on the humor of the show um, at that point. It took me a little bit longer, but like the part where it's it's a little bit farther on. But the point where where the, this character, Josh, she says to Wolf, like, you know, Wolf mentioned something about how Josh like came on his leg. And Josh is like, all right, look, if this is going to be a whole thing that you're not going to be able to get over, <laughs> just go ahead. Come on my leg. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, "Oh my god, this show is is, is pretty funny." Um, but yeah, and so so these characters. Well, so uh, Andrea, tell us more about these characters, uh, Wolf and uh, Tiger. Uh, they're very
2: stereotypical uh, video game fighters who are now stuck in our world and have to figure out how we we live. So they're just constantly beating things up, throwing things across the room. The whole obsession with the baby. Uh, they don't have babies. They're, they're oh, sterile yeah. in the future. And then Tiger becomes obsessed with babies. Um, and it's, you know, I think right off the bat I knew it was going to be funny. But then it just went off in a whole other direction that I – I, I don't think I've seen anything this funny in a long, long time, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd, these characters, agree. yeah, I thought these characters were hilarious. My favorite part, especially in the beginning, was every time they would get into a fight with anybody, they would, they would yell out, um, <laughs> the, uh, what was the, the names of the moves they would use? Yeah, the
1: fighting know? moves.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fighting moves. And it, they had it in, in this uh, video game voice too.
3: So it was just. Yeah, like... <laughs> that, that. That was classic because it wasn't just that they were doing that, but it was that Josh, like, in his nerd, like, I play video games all the time life, was really into that. Like, you know, he just would play these video games and they'd be like, body shot, head shot. And he just like, <laughs> playing along, loving it. And then they start doing it in real life and he's like, horrified. He's like, you can't do that. And they're like, why? We do it all the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so, and so we yeah, so we get this idea that Tiger and Wolf are from, as I said, this sort of post-apocalyptic uh, future and they live in the sewers and eat rats and they have no like social skills or like, you know, con- they have no concept of what the world of, of 2017, the present, Josh's present is like. Um, Anthony, is there anything else you want to say about the character, these characters of Tiger and Wolf? Um, no, I mean, I
0: think it's, you were, you guys were mentioning that the, in some ways there's sort of these stereotypical, like, video game post-apocalyptic characters, and that's kind of how they start out, but I think, they're actually developed in really interesting ways. I mean, it's still in this very kind of cartoonish over-the-top way, but there's, like, this commitment to the idea that they're really, really, really bad at living in the 21st century in, like, a pre-apocalypse world. And then they also, like, start developing this idea without getting too far ahead about, like, the wolf character and about, you know, his interest in cooking and and his hopes for a life outside that I mean, I thought was all really interesting.
1: Yeah, let's not get too far ahead. But let me mention, too, about Tiger. I think that because in science fiction kind of movies, there are a lot of sort of attractive women who are totally badasses and fighters. And a lot of times you don't believe it. And the actress playing Tiger, Eliza Koop, she yeah. really sells that she's a, like a tough, take no yeah. nonsense, take no prisoners person. I mean, she's totally believable in that, yeah. In that role. Yeah,
2: they really they both do. They both sell it. In, in such a wonderfully over the top way that I every time they opened their mouths, I was just, I just started laughing.
1: Right. So I I mean I thought like this the first the first episode pretty much we're talking about here was totally hilarious. I, I yep. pretty much liked, loved everything in it. But my my main problem with the the show is in this is basically the whole premise. And maybe <laughs> okay. maybe you guys can like tell me if the, if there's something I'm missing here, but. I don't understand why – like how they these people from this world where like they're living in sewers and eating rats and they have no electricity and stuff, how they made a game and sent it back through time (laughs) and why they thought that that would be a good way to recruit somebody to be their savior and why they even needed a fighter – because they have a time machine and they're not going to have to fight anyone particularly in order to accomplish their mission. And maybe that's getting a little ahead. But then also, uh, you know, yeah, just why are they surprised when you can't fight? Uh, and yeah, does, is, is, does that just make no Because my impression is just none of that makes any sense at all. But maybe somebody oh. thinks it it makes more sense than I am giving it credit for.
2: Uh, I... I... Don't I didn't care. It's so funny. It's like that's the premise. It's ridiculous. The whole show is ridiculous. So just go with it. I mean, they they do throw a couple of things in there about how they use the game as training for their warriors. She says that, and they have the um, you know the time machine. Then that's how they sent the, the their training uh, you know simulator back. They do make mention of it. So they sort of gloss it over. But I think that's the fun of it. Is it's just so damn stupid.
0: Personally. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think that also it, it's telling that they basically they, they explain it and then they ne- almost like if they bring it up again it's like for one sentence because it, I, I think you're right Dave that it's just very it doesn't stand up to any scrutiny and so they're like let's establish this and move on as as quickly as we can and, and I agree that it doesn't it also doesn't make sense in that part of the reason why they're coming back and why they have they need somebody in the first place is because they know so little about Cronish and that clearly this you know the biotic wars of, like wiped out their knowledge of, of history and and so the idea that they could have the technology to create this game um and at the same time you know could be so ignorant about the past and and so confused in other ways it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense but i mean I, I that had not even occurred to me until you mentioned it
1: really okay how about tom what do you think about this
3: yeah it didn't really bother me i think because i didn't really i didn't really care about the logic of that too much I was just having i was i was so busy having so much fun with everything that I didn't really stop to think about it but um but now that you mention it I'm like yeah okay that that doesn't make any sense but maybe it does because maybe there's more going on in the future they haven't really shown us what happens in the future and they they did there was technology there because they stole the time machine they got a lot of technology from the uh from the biotics and they also made reference a couple of times. There were a couple of like geniuses or at least one genius on their team. So maybe they didn't have anything to do with making the game, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some way it can make sense, but I didn't really, it didn't really bother me. It was just, (laughs) it was such a fun ride the whole time that I never really stopped to be like, wait a minute. Um,
2: Well, and also for me, it was like the minute they, they do that, they come back and say they're recruiting him. I'm like, this is, This is the plot to The Last Starfighter. And then they actually say, wait, you have Josh say, wait, this is the plot to The Last Starfighter.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like,
2: oh, perfection.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, right. I listened to an interview with some of the creators of the show, and they said something about in the future they only use video games for training. Like they can't even imagine the idea that someone would just do this for recreation. So like (laughs) if if someone beats the game, the only reason they could be playing it at all was because they're training to do this stuff in real life. I think that's part (laughs) of the the thinking behind it. I mean that still doesn't address my like how do they make a game – like how do they get it into stores and like without electricity and get it back through? I mean – my impression was they stole the time machine right before they came back to get Josh. So how did they see the game? I know Andrea doesn't care about any of this stuff. I but...
2: don't care. <laughs> You're trying to apply logic to a comedy show. I'm just saying.
1: Just... <laughs> All right. But that's what we do here on Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. We we take these things very seriously.
2: Very seriously. I'm sorry. I will. Need... I'll take the comedy show seriously.
0: I mean, I think also that part of what makes it funny and good, though, is that in some other ways, they're very creative about the time travel stuff. The fact that, like, and I think in this cartoonish but very believe, but also, I think, true way where every time they go back and try to change something, there are a million unforeseen consequences. And in a lot of ways, I mean, it feels smarter in those moments. And so it's not that I think none of it holds together or makes sense it's 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 i think there are areas of the time travel that they really do care about and have thought through and then there's areas where they're like you know this is like the idea just go with it
1: right so i'll be very curious you know we none of us i don't think have watched any of season two um because i wanted this to, to just be a discussion of season one so maybe there's stuff in season two that explains all this but i'll, I'll be curious when i when I get around to watching season two to see how if they do it if they sort of backfill you know if they fill in the backstory and and if they tie this stuff together in a way that makes sense. I, I It seems like it would be hard to do, but um, I guess yeah. we'll see. <gasps> yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, you know, um, I, I don't – I at this point, I don't care. If they go back and they do, they don't. Eh, it's totally fine. I bought the whole premise.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so let's talk about what happens next. So, yeah, so I mentioned that Tiger and Wolf come back and recruit Josh and are very disappointed that he can't fight or anything. Um and so they tell him that the the boss that he works for, Dr. Elias Cronish, the the founder of this STD research lab, um that his that he in the future winds up creating a cure for all diseases that um somehow creates a, a sort of mutant race that um they're fighting against that sort of takes over the world. And so they they've come back in time to to stop this from happening. And so um, Josh says, "Oh well," and, and just at at work that day, his boss, who has herpes and so has a cold sore on his lip, had 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 told him the story of how he first got this this uh, <laughs> infection. Um, that it had happened the night of the moon landing uh, when he had kissed some you know some woman at a fraternity party. And so um, Josh says to to Tiger and Wolf, "Oh Wolf, well, if we go back in time." to the night of the moon landing and stop him from getting herpes, then he'll never go into science and, uh, you know, it'll stop the whole biotic menace from, uh, occurring. <laughs> so, uh, so Tom, what'd you think of the, uh, when they go back in time to the night of the moon landing?
3: Are we, uh, was that episode two? That we're yeah. Two now? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, episode I, I, two. I really like that. I really like that. Uh, that episode, uh, there was, there was some other things in the, in episode one, that I was kind of sticking on, that I wanted to just mention. Uh, first of all, Haley Joel Osment. I thought the casting and the acting were uh, yeah. from everybody were amazing. I yes, I didn't yeah. think. I mean, and Haley Joel Osment in the role he was in was fantastic. I mean, s- sorry, well, yeah, well, sorry doesn't re-swab urethras. <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome. But anyway, that was episode one. So, uh, uh actually, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry,
1: sorry, sorry, Tom, now that you mentioned it, I should have talked about, um, they, uh, Tiger and Wolf end up killing a police officer in episode one. And that, that comes back. So we should talk about that. So, oh, so this is episode one. The, the back in time,
3: that was episode one. Pardon me. Um, uh, is that what you're saying here? That we I'm getting a little well, they, confused. with My episode. They time. go episode back.
0: One I think they go back in time, and and time to towards the that end that of episode that? one, and then then there's more of that in episode two. Yeah.
3: Okay. Okay. So so episode one. Uh, are you asking me about the killing the killing the police officer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I really I uh, really liked that scene, and not because I have anything against police officers, but because <laughs> in s- in so many, in so many shows that would have been handled as like, well, we have to have them like, you know, the cops are coming, so we're gonna show that these, these really like badasses from the future are just gonna like kill everybody and we'll just like kill these generic cops and move on with the story. But instead of doing that, they, they make it like, uh, they, they, they make the cops actual characters and they make them not only characters, but they make them these really young, idealistic, like, Hey, you know, this is our first call ever as policemen. We're actually real policemen, and we're gonna go like we're gonna go on our first call. and They're like, "Let's go get them," and then that that happens. So it just makes it such a great scene because they're like, "No, we're not going to make these throwaway characters. We're going to make them real people, and then we're actually going to pull them into the plot after that." So uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was well, just it, brilliant.
1: And then one of them, the one who survives out of the two cops, he has to go to the, fa- the family of the other one and tell oh, them that his partner so is good. dead.
2: That was hilarious. That was, yeah. oh, my God.
3: Yeah, that, you would never believe that a scene where a cop has to go to his dead partner's wife's house and, like, explain to her while she's pregnant that her her husband is dead, you would never believe that that could be hilarious. You just wouldn't. But the way they treated it was—I was like, I can't believe they're playing this for comedy. Number one, and number two, I can't believe they're really succeeding. Oh, yeah. Like it was—it was shocking, and and just made me respect the writers so much.
1: Yeah. So, so what happens? Yeah. So, and and it just like yeah. So he goes to the family, and then it turns out like the whole family's there, and like every time he's going to say something, some new, <laughs> you know, new relative comes in, out. and yeah. and it just keeps going and going, and oh my god, it was, yeah. <laughs>
2: I just can I make a quick uh, comment on it, I think it might still be episode 1 the whole the whole show is references to various movies like not just last star fighter terminator and all the others um back to the future but there is like in the begin in the first episode where they ki- they uh kill all the uh bikers and ride off on their bikes they're all dressed like the characters in um easy rider uh, and they do that through the entire, the entire show is just like these little, um, jokes about different movies that are never really mentioned. It's like, if you get it, you get it. They're all these little Easter eggs, which I thought was, um, really fantastic. Um, and if you're a movie person, it, you'll get it. Um, and also just the scene where they're in the diner. And she's having a breakdown and she just starts screaming at everybody. You're dead. You're all dead. You're dead. You're
1: <laughs> yeah. dead. You're
2: totally dead. Uh, little girl, you're dead. Little kidney, you're dead. <laughs> wait,
1: so, w- yeah. what, wait, what about – are you just saying that's funny or was there – I is- just
2: thought that was uh, – abs- I, I wrote it down on my, my notes. I was like, that's the funniest thing ever. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did too. I took notes and I
3: said the diner scene was brilliant. You know – uh. He says, "You don't have delis in the future," and she says, "No, we eat in the we live in the sewer. We We're eat garbage and rats." And he goes, "He goes, ew!" And she goes, "The guy goes, no, no crap, ew! A rat, you eat a rat, then say ew." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that part in the diner where she's screaming, "You're all dead," is is a very clear callback to Sarah Connor in Terminator Two. Um,
3: yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, alright, but let's, so let's get to the, uh, uh, the frat house. So, Anthony, what'd you think of, uh, the frat house?
0: Uh, I, I liked it. I have to say that at this point, after sort of ha- seeing how crazy things get in later episodes, <laughs> I, that it, it, it makes less of an impression on me now, but, um, I, I think that was really, a really well done, uh, party where, like, the, just the way everything kind of escalates. And I mean, this is the structure of a lot of the, the episodes of, I, um, where, you know one bad thing kind of like happens on top of another and this is kind of like the first one of the first cases where you could really get to see that happen where he ends up in an astronaut, well, I guess they get kicked out, and then to sneak back in, he puts on an astronaut suit, but then that just sort of leads to all kinds of confusion, and then at one point he's in a dance-off <laughs> with uh, Cronish for the affections of this woman, and and then also, like, and, yeah, it, it, it's really, really well done. I think also just, like, I liked I liked all the different glimpses we got of, like, Cronish, Dr. Cronish at different points in his life, including as this sort of young, horny college student.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it, and like like not all the humor in this show is like super smart, but I thought a lot of the humor in this was pretty smart. You know, like it was funny. I was just, I actually I started rewatching the show this morning, and I was just planning to rewatch the first couple episodes to refresh my memory for some of the ones I'd watched farther back in the past. And I ended up just rewatching the whole season. But um, wow. so wow, my girlfriend was was sitting there, and and so he it gets to the part where he's he's you know in danger of losing the dance off. And he's watching the moon landing on TV, and and Stephanie was like, "Oh, he's going to do the moonwalk." Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what's about to happen."
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I had that same reaction. I'm like, "It's they signal it from you know a, a million miles away. You can see it coming. Doesn't you know? It's still funny."
1: Yeah, and there's yeah, there's just a lot of smart humor in this. Uh, yeah. In this episode, mm-hmm. um, what also feels remarkable about it is how like it like kind of.
0: You know, touches on all this stuff that feels like it could be really, like, hot button or, you know, kind of more, like, serious satirical humor, but it's able to be so light and so smart that, like, obviously part of what they're dealing with is, like, segregation and discrimination and all of that, but, like, it doesn't have to confront any of that. They have little jokes that nod at it, but it's never, like, the point of the episode or it's not, like, a, a moment where it gets serious. It's all sort of acknowledged, and then they have... They're jokes at the same time.
1: Yeah. And it just draws really interesting connections between the past and the present where, you know, the guy's like, that's a pretty good Bill Cosby impression, but what does Bill Cosby have to do with Jell-O? And <laughs> yeah. then and then he's like, I forget what exactly what the line is, but he says he, he says he, he,
2: he, says, he goes, I n I didn't know you could make me hate Bill Cosby or something like that.
3: He's like the way you told that joke made me like not like yes. Bill Cosby. And he's like, Yeah, get used to
2: get that. Get used to that.
0: <laughs> I guess part of it is how fast it is. It's just like it, it brings up stuff and then it just like joke and then move on and like yeah. you don't have to like sort of linger on any of it.
2: Oh yeah. It's it's all it's all like it's a series of throwaway jokes where it's like they throw it at you, you get it, you laugh, you don't get it, you move on to the next joke, and it's
0: right.
3: it's just
2: like rapid fire humor, and it's fantastic.
3: That's how you know you're in good hands with a with the writer is that the writer is is has enough confidence to know like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw these jokes out there and, and we're not gonna milk anything. The director yeah. too is a lot of that's down to the director. We're not gonna milk anything. We're not gonna like wink at the audience. We're not gonna make sure they got it. We're gonna throw the joke out there and have enough confidence to say certain amount of people are going to get this and love it and then we're going to just go bust on to the next
1: joke yeah well and also i feel like in almost every comedy there's like good jokes and then there's jokes that totally fall flat and like i didn't feel like any of the jokes in this were to- i never was like oh that's just not funny at all you know or that's yeah. you know like like it yeah. felt like every joke was was hitting you know yeah. was either like great or at least pretty good you know
2: yep i i absolutely I agree, I agree with, with that
0: I I think like one of the types of humor that I like the least are referential humor, and so I think those jokes for me, I wasn't I didn't laugh as much, but like for example, like the last Starfighter joke, I was like yeah yeah yeah, but I didn't like dislike it. I was like all right, that's fine. That was pretty. That was like reasonably well done, sure. And then, but most of the jokes I thought were great.
2: Well, the yeah. the last Starfighter joke for me is funny just as a writer because it's like. When it's such an obvious ripoff, and everybody, you know, everybody else is saying, "Oh, it's this is the last Starfighter," they actually acknowledge it. Like they just flat out go, "Okay, yep, we stole it from Last Starfighter," and I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that as a writer. It's like, you know, thank you. You just made me laugh, and you acknowledge you acknowledge the fact that that's exactly what I'm thinking right now.
3: So. Yeah, I agree. Because you, you could sit there and be like, oh, they just ripped that off. And then you kind of get hung up on it. But they're like, no, we trust us. We know we ripped this off. We did it yeah. on purpose. And you're like, oh, okay, fine. Like, it doesn't have to be like super funny to be like, oh, good. That makes me feel good.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, right. And so what happens is that, you know, so Josh thinks that he's cockblocked Cronish and that Cronish is not going to get herpes. <laughs> but then they return to Josh's time and, and Cronish still has herpes and he's still pursuing his cure. Um, And one of those references is that, you know, every time Josh notices something, like, that's changed in his present, it plays this little, like, doo-doo-doo-doo, like, sound that's, like, straight out of, right? It's, like, the exact yes. same thing as Back to the Future. Yeah.
2: I totally forgot about that.
1: And it actually, it makes me wonder, like, uh, like it, it, for people who haven't seen, I don't know if, if anyone hasn't seen Back to the Future or Terminator or whatever, but, like, you know, do do you have to get the or like you know if you haven't if you don't get any of the references at all, does this show still work?
2: Ah, uh, it's still funny. All the jokes, you know the the you know the sex jokes. The every, I I think all of those jokes work. I don't think you 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 lose a layer of of the humor, but I don't think it's not funny. I don't think it renders it unfunny because it's not specifically predicated just on these movie jokes. Personally,
0: yeah. So I also you know, think a lot of the the science fictional humor it's funnier if you if you realize oh like this is sort of a reference to Last Starfighter to Back to the Future yeah. to you know all these things. But I think also it's funny because it's situationally funny of like oh I thought I could fix it by doing this oh I didn't realize it was going to have this effect and I think that's funny on its own regardless of reference.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So you never felt that there was it was too referential. Uh, or I guess Anthony, I guess, was saying maybe some of the, some of the, like, when Josh is acknowledging, or y- y- like. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even dislike it. It's just that's,
0: that's like a form of humor that just doesn't really work for me most of the time. And so I, I, like, even when it's sort of like something like this, which is like squarely in my, uh, wheelhouse, I feel like I'm sort of being pandered to. But I didn't dislike, I was just like, alright, that's, I just sort of shrugged and, and moved on. Um, and I will say, I mean, I guess the, the one sort of referential thing which might be sort of incomprehensible if you're not, uh, aware of it was the James Cameron episode. But but, oh, but that uh, one, I I really liked it so much anyway that I'm not going to complain about that. I that was act- that was actually referential humor that I really liked.
2: That that once we get to it, that was hands down my favorite episode for so many reasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I agree with that. I, I'm trying to like I feel like we could just go through and like talk about every joke and how well it works, but I, I feel yeah. like that's not that valuable. People can just watch the show. Yeah, um, right. But um well actually let me let me bring up then my other sort of or I don't know. I don't know if this is an issue exactly. But so but so it develops that yeah, so um boy, what what happens exactly? So they um <laughs> okay, so so it turns out that there are um uh, what do you call them? Biotic sleeper agents in the present yeah. who are like um some of his um office mates, some of Josh's office mates, and he doesn't know who they are. And so I guess this is because they, their time machine is broken, and so they need to, um, you know, like interrogate a biotic to, to get another time machine or to fix their time machine, whatever. And so they're going to have to identify who's a biotic and who isn't. And so it turns out that the biotics are immune to poison. So they're going to just poison non-fatally, <laughs> you know, like non-lethally poison the entire office and see who doesn't get sick. And then that's going <laughs> to identify who the biotics are. And and so this leads to um to them identifying that the the um woman in the office that Josh has a crush on is a biotic. And so they they're, they're going to interrogate her. And then I thought the story got, you know, we 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 we've, we've talked about how much of how referential the show is and how everything is just pulled from different movies and things. But this I thought was genuinely interesting where so they're they're interrogating the office mate and she tells Josh like no, you're fighting on the wrong side. Like these people that you're fighting with, Tiger and Wolf, they're like yeah. Like terrorists, they're like ISIS, you know, they're like anti-vaxxers yeah. and like actually the we've, you know, we're not biotics. That's just a dumb name they made up for us. Like we've built this perfect society where like there's like – and she's like – I forget, oh, what is she? It's like funny what she says, like the sort of mundane stuff about her family and stuff. Um, I'm from
2: New Jersey. You know, in yeah. my world, I'm a four. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so, so I thought that was a great, great twist. And it, I, yeah. I did wonder if they were actually going to go in that direction that he I, actually has been on the wrong side for the first I'm, five episodes. I yeah. thought,
2: I agree with that. I thought exactly the same thing. Cause as they're, she's having, they're having this conversation. And I'm like, these people are anti-vaxxers. Oh my God. And I really mm-hmm. thought they were going to go in that direction. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping maybe they will next season. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting little twist that they just didn't even follow. So, yes, yeah, so I agree.
1: With- well, well, and it made so much sense because you're like, it, it's just sort of an interesting commentary on how easily you fall into different sides of an argument or whatever. But you're like, wait, like I've been thinking that these guys were the good guys, even though they've been going around killing people and like they're like <laughs> crazy and all this stuff. Like, why did I think why did I just assume that they were the good guys just because I heard their side of the story first?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Tom, what'd you think about this, uh, this, this, uh, future, this alternative view of the future that we start to get?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that, uh, I thought that was, that was, it it hit me the same way that it hit you. I, I kind of was thinking, well, maybe, maybe he is on the wrong side of this, you know, but I didn't really believe it because there was some, something about, what she had done and what she was saying that didn't jibe. And I can't remember what it was, but I was like, I kept thinking, well, if what she's saying is true, then how does she explain this? And I, and I, it kept, it kept making me think, no, they're not going to go in that direction. And I couldn't, I can't remember right now what it was, but um, it was just something about like, that they had no compunction about like uh about killing people themselves in order, you know, in order to, the biotics had no, had no reservations about what they were doing either. So I kept thinking, no, I don't think I don't think it's going to go that way.
1: So you, but, you think that you you think that she's lying, like because there's two possibilities, right? She could be lying to manipulate him, or she could be telling the truth from her perspective. But you think that she's actually the future is nothing like what she's just how she's describing it.
3: No, I I thought that she was telling the truth from her perspective, but I also thought that how she got to what she to what they had was was. I think she knew that they got there, um, by doing really evil things. And I can't remember what those are right now. I remember when I was watching her talk, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's kind of seeming like maybe she's right. And then I thought it was some detail that I was like, no, she, she knows that, that they've done evil things, that they've, they're just like, they're, yeah, what they're, what they're striving for is great, but they're excluding a whole giant section of humanity and just like killing them whole cloth anyway. Um in order to to supposedly protect what they're doing, they're doing these horrible things. And I can't remember what that was now. So but I, I remember just saying now she's she's not she's not uh not being honest. Uh Anthony, do you have
1: anything you want to add there?
0: Yeah, I mean I it also as you we were talking about it, it made me think of there's a specific line where she says Oh yeah, and they bomb hospitals and then Tiger says, no, 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 they're sterilization centers. And she says, no, they're hospitals where people were also sterilized. And that actually was like the moment where I think probably had a similar question of like, oh wow, are they really going to sort of turn it around? Because that like feels like like a legitimate <laughs> criticism of these uh of, of these characters. Um I also well, wanted well, well, to I say actually,
1: that sorry, Anthony, let me say point yeah. of order. I think what Tiger says is, no, they're injection sites. So it's not that's the sterilization. I think is separate. I think that was with like okay. some okay. like uh, poison gas kind of thing or something. She says later, but I think that when the, when there's the debate of over whether they are they hospitals or injection sites. It sounds to me like they really are more like hospitals, although maybe you're forced to get um, vaccinated, but you're not being forced to be sterilized, I don't think. Okay, okay.
0: I maybe can yeah, conflating the two, but but that essentially they are – it sounds like there's no argument that they actually are bombing hospitals, um, regardless of sort of how you describe them. Um, but yeah, I think that scene and then there's a later scene where I think in both cases you're sort of given these like very kind of quick, rapid histories of the creation of the biotics – and the creation of the resistance. And I have to admit that I didn't completely follow it either time. So by the end of this series, I couldn't actually tell you what distinguishes a biotic from a human, like how much free will they have, like why the resistance decided to fight them in the first place. And and so a lot of that is is kind of fuzzy in, in my head because it felt like they kind of went over it. Um fairly quickly, which didn 't bother me, but but, as we talk about it, I think that was definitely a question mark I had um one other thing I wanted to say about that's oh go ahead
3: oh well keep, hold keep your thought but uh uh the one of the things this might not be the thing I was thinking of, but one of the things that was bothering me while she was talking about this utopia is like well, if it's such a utopia, then why do you have a bomb in your head that blows up like <laughs> if, if you do the wrong yeah. thing like i don 't understand how that makes it such this great world, but go ahead.
0: No, I had the same thought. Um, that said, the moment when the – because, like, there's um, – one of the great things – and this is – this was definitely one of my my favorite episodes of the season. Um, one of the great things about it is they have this timer that they don't keep on the whole time, but that you, you do see like, – they keep flashing back to. And you know that, you know, at, once the timer reaches zero, her head is yeah. going to explode. <laughs> and so he's giving this very confident speech with 30 seconds left, and the head explodes – and then they come in. They're like, "Oh yeah," there's sort of like a thirty second window there, you know, kind of give or take.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, not exact. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of a play on uh, Twenty Four, where you have the running time, which you know, in in um, you know, in like a movie that ratchets up the the tenseness because you're watching the time tick down, and you're hoping they're going to get it. So the fact that they they did that and then joked with it at the end and screwed it up was just, I thought was. Brilliant, to be
3: honest. Yeah, with. And, and even even Josh says like he makes his point, you know, and he really like burns her and then he goes, Now you just sit there and think about that for the next thirty seconds. and then her head blows up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in his face. Yeah. But um I thought yeah, I and this that episode particularly I started thinking it was a lot more like uh like a Quentin Tarantino Like, pulp fiction type of movie. It was just so unexpected, and the characters were kind of so free to do whatever they wanted to do, and weren't, didn't really seem like the characters. You know, some, some movies you watch and you think, okay, the writer really wants the plot to happen this way. So there's like this middle portion of the movie where the characters are doing things that make no sense, and you're like, I don't understand why these characters are doing these things, but they're doing them, and I imagine there's gonna be some payoff in about 20 minutes where they're gonna be, you're gonna be like, oh, well, the characters had to do that to get here, I understand it now. But there was none of that in this in this show. It was like the characters were just completely set free in like a Tarantino or Vonnegut kind of way where they could just do whatever they wanted and that was driving what was happening. I I thought that was really fun. I thought it was very well written and directed. And like, for example, in that episode you're talking about, when he first starts to learn how to cook, I thought that was, I was like, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. He just like loves cooking. He gets into it. But when he first starts to get into it, and Ed Begley Jr., who again, like everybody else in this, just did a fantastic job mm-hmm. acting. Um, he uh, he says he tells him, "Beat the eggs," and it's such a like tired joke. Like you know, <laughs> he's it's like this literal humor. You know, he's gonna beat the eggs yeah. with his fists. He's gonna beat him up. But the execution of it was so great, and he's like doing his like video game voice, he's like "Egg smash!" And he like gets all into it. I I knew what was coming. Like I knew it was coming from a mile away, but I still was laughing at it. I still thought it was an awesome scene. There's Um, something,
2: there's something a little satisfying about knowing a joke is, is coming and then watching it happen. There's just something that's like, you know, you know, the sneeze is coming and then you sneeze and oh, I feel so much better.
0: Yeah. Well and that as, as Tom was saying, that there's such a commitment to not yes. just like he doesn't just like hit the eggs and he just like, he like beats the hell out of them for like ten seconds and is like again doing that voice and then yeah. like, the whole room is covered in egg yolk and, and Your that's shell really is weak. what sells it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um I, I did want to disagree on with one point though. I I actually I would say the the one issue I had with the show was I did feel like I could kind of see the writer's trying to stretch the plot out to 13 episodes. And so there was, like, a little bit of, like, okay, I can – like, you know, just because I know we're on episode 8 or 9, that obviously this can't be the thing that fixes it because there's – and then I could see them, like, trying to be, okay, like – What's the next thing we can come up, up with um that sort of stretches the story out? And I didn't really mind that because I wasn't necessarily watching for the story, but I did feel like I could see a little bit of the writers trying to come up with the next thing.
1: Well, I, I thought in terms of pacing, the story was basically perfect up until the James Cameron episode, which I thought was, the high, as other people have said, like the highlight of the show for me. And then I felt like after that, it was still funny, but it felt a little more flabby and like, like you're saying, stretching it out. Do you agree with that? That that it got flabbier after that episode or do you think even before that episode that it was?
0: Um, I think you're right. That I think, and it's hard to say if like, I think it was less funny or the writing was less good, but I think that there was a certain sense of like, I felt the effort of just the plot of stretching out the plot seemed a little bit more evident to me.
2: I don't know that I, I don't, I found it very well paced. It didn't bother me at all. I know what you mean, Dave, about, you know, especially the episode where they, um, where Tiger and Wolf both have whole lives, you know, like spend several years in a past and then they all come back to 2017. Um, but it, it didn't bother me. And I felt because these episodes are all half an hour long instead of the regular, uh, 45, minutes long that you would get when an hour show i thought they were that helped them pace be very tight and pace and or paced well um so it didn't you know it was it's 13 episodes so that's like six and a half hours of, of content um i thought that was pretty good actually
1: Yeah, well, I'll say, I mean, I I, I thought, I I really, the the episode you're talking about where they, they, um, Tiger and Wolf spent like whole lives basically or years in the different time periods, I really admired the, um, sort of ingenuity of that and, um, you know, how it was, it was breaking up the, the format and stuff. But I, I did feel it did like, I was getting a little, um, restless watching that. And it was the same thing with, um, uh, which episode was it? It was uh, the one where they're, they're back in time at Cronish's house and there's all the different characters like coming in and out. And,
2: like, <laughs> I love that episode, though. <laughs> OK, I,
1: I, I mean, I don't I don't know that I would even change anything. But those two episodes were the ones where I, I felt like the pacing, I, I sort of felt a little restless watching them.
3: I agree. I thought that the um, that episode where they go back in time and, you know, she becomes suddenly like this southern belle. Um, I was just kind of like mystified. I was like, why is she suddenly like became this other (laughs) person? (laughs) It's cool in a way. And it goes black and white. I know. (laughs) Right. It's so funny. I loved it in the next episode where they came back and she was like, oh, I've had this other life. I was like, okay, I can kind of see why they did that. But when I was actually watching the episode, I was kind of like, hmm, this is kind of different. And I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't really buy into that one as much, I guess. That one episode.
2: You know what's funny? Actually, now that I think about it, the thing that never paid off is the fact that she has the locket and, and, um, Cronus should, you know, reckon, remember her from his childhood. And I, I mm. thought that was going to play into the end and it never did.
3: Maybe it will. Yeah, well, the I locket plays
0: does. into the ending in another way, but it's true that she never gets reunited with yes, him.
2: Yes. Yeah. That specific thing. She never gets reunited with him. He never recognizes her. So. Mm.
1: Well, but like his parents don't recognize him. I mean, that's like a theme throughout the show, you know. You know. Yeah, what I'm
2: yeah. S- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, but, well, right. Well, it's, it's not like implausible.
0: It's more just like that. It seemed like they were setting up some kind of reunion, and, and it was never paid yeah. off.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Right. I mean, we, he we, was we, very. I mean, Cronish was like what four years old or something when she left, so he wouldn't necessarily remember her anyway.
2: I, I rem. I remember stuff from when I was like two or three.
1: People I do hmm. what were you going to say tom
3: i I was just wondering about like because I had the same thought about back to the future when like you know when Marty's there and they don't remember you know they name him Marty because they really like the guy the kid Marty who shows up and like match makes them, <laughs> but then they don't <laughs> notice that he's he's the same person and and I wonder, like I was thinking about that, like would you notice because when you have a kid, you know you're around them every day. And your memory would be, like, slowly changing over time. And But I, I'm thinking back and I'm like, if I had a son who looked exactly like somebody somebody I knew when I was 17, like, exactly, and same mannerisms and everything, I would be like – I would flat out remember I, – I would think, this is crazy. Like, well,
1: especially crazy if you kid. had had sex with that kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, but it,
0: it was only – it was one one night and, and that, like, they were all, all, like – yeah, they were high and drunk and and all you know yeah I I well, that's actually a good
1: point yeah
0: it made sense to me
1: yeah all right well let's, so let's talk about the the James Cameron episode because I think Andrea you you mentioned that earlier so let's what do uh talk talk about the uh, what your thoughts were about the James Cameron episode
2: well they discover in the uh, episode before which is when the um, girl's head explodes the uh, the biotic um, that their their time machine has been damaged and their power the power source um isn't working so they have to get more a a power source and it's some kind of weird green liquid that is called cameronian that they were told is available everywhere in in our time but Josh has no idea what it is so the biotic tells him it's called cameronian because it was named after James Cameron who uh took his uh, submarine to the bottom of the ocean and drilled in and found it somewhere in the, near the Earth's core. So completely ridiculous. Um, and then they decide after she her head explodes they have to go find um, this Cameronian and it's in the future in like 2020 20 something, 2024, in James Cameron's house and they go to James Cameron's house and they break in and it's a smart house so they you know there's an AI that lets them in and talks to them and the the ai has been programmed to constantly um praise james cameron (laughs) (laughs) so it's just this this escalating ridiculousness of calling him like he is the best driver in the world he is the smartest man on the planet and it just goes crazy wait wait i
1: I wrote down a couple where can i find it um
2: the, the door international well known door expert James Cameron, <laughs> and then and then my ultimate favorite I have to say this out loud, um, good at marriage James
3: Cameron.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote that one down. The other ones I have for undefeated little league coach and honorary black belt. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that yeah, honorary black belt.
2: <laughs> I just I just imagine. The writer's sitting there coming up with more and more ridiculous things in the writer's room and just dying laughing because I (laughs) would just be sitting there dying laughing. I just thought that was such – you could see the writer's hands on it but just in the best way possible.
3: uh, Yeah, I I wrote one down too. He has a Venezuelan frog species named (laughs) after him unlike lesser director Steven
1: Spielberg. (laughs) It's it, it's funny, you know, because um, you know, my girlfriend's parents now live in Asheville, North Carolina, and there's this big. I think it's the largest private home in the U.S. It's called the Biltmore, and we went on the tour there, and we had the audio tour, and it's just like that. It's like just constantly praising the family and how great was, they were at everything, and how much everyone loved them. And you're listening to this the whole time, and you're like, "Come on, there must have been like some somebody had an affair with a servant, or like, you know, somebody hated their boss or whatever." You know, was, was that and so the it was, Vanderbilt house? Yeah, yeah, the Vanderbilt yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and, had to
2: sell that immediately because uh, it was so expensive; they couldn't afford to keep it.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't remember. <laughs> I was, I was so, I was so put off by how the constant praise. But it was like it reminds me of that of so much of just the, you know, of just the like nonstop, you know, like deification, hagiography of the, you know, owner of the house. Yeah.
0: And the fact that it's James Cameron is part of what yes. makes it perfect because he's such this like over-the-top, larger-than-life figure. And, and I mean, I have to say, like, there's a New Yorker profile of James Cameron that that ran about a decade ago when Avatar was coming out, and it remains one of my, like, favorite um, director profiles or celebrity profiles ever written because he's just such a ridiculous figure. And I don't mean this entirely in an insulting way, that he has accomplished all these amazing things and, you know, has done all this stuff. And yet is like is still like so kind of silly and ridiculous and wants to, you know, and there's something about him that's sort of inherently funny. Yeah. <laughs> so the combination of that treatment for that for that real person is just is so
1: spot on. Yeah. Well, and James Cameron show, makes a cameo at the end of the episode. So like, is it actually him? Oh, I think I, I think it is. Yeah. I, I was assuming, no,
0: I don't think really. you see you don't see him, though. You only see like a shape. Like a hand, a hand in the, like the back of a head.
1: I right. thought it was really. I thought it was. It sounds like him. I don't. It, I don't know. Uh, I was you just Google that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, I was just – I was because I was wondering. Like you know, do they need to get permission? Like, like there was another thing where um you know uh, after Wolf spends a yeah. couple years yeah. in the in the 80s and somebody just makes a reference to Groundhog Day. And he's like, yeah, Groundhog Day. Andy McDowell. I hit that. yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was awesome. I was like – No, none of that must... needs
2: clearance. None of that. It's a none, joke. Really? None of it, no. Huh. The, they might – the only thing that t- that I think maybe they might have is because he uh, – the the AI teaches Wolf how to speak, not me. <laughs> <through the laughs> I had the
1: same thought, yeah. And I,
2: that would be copyrighted. Um, So I don't huh. know if maybe they got some kind of permission to do that. I don't know. That's just my – you know, producer brain who immediately hears that and goes, I got to call a lawyer.
0: So I do. Yeah. And I guess uh, it also makes me, um, one of the points about like that Tom was making earlier about sort of, you know, like poking fun at celebrities, poking fun at themselves. And, and I think like, I I could also imagine though, that like Cameron would want to be involved in the sense of like you, you want to show that you're in on the joke, right? Like that's one of the easiest ways to kind of like, you know, Maybe, make yourself yeah. seem more accessible is to do this sort of funny character version of, like, ridiculous character version of yourself and, and always, like, make it clear, like, I'm playing a character, um, cause I'm in on the joke and I have a sense of humor about myself. So I could have ma- in this case, I'm, I'm genuinely not sure, but, but it seems like they, I, I don't think, I don't think it was him and I don't think they necessarily needed much cooperation from I, him.
2: Here's my thought on this. Um, I'm guessing, that it was so over the top like at some points actually mean to him especially – the the marriage one is hilarious but that's like – that is kind of mean that I'm wondering if maybe they did ask him and he said no and they were like, well, fuck it. Let's go to town. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think we did that once uh,
1: Wait, wait, on let's Conan. let's just well, before we go too far. Let's just google this and, and settle this. Okay. Like <laughs> so so <laughs> wait, so Anthony, go- google this. while while Anthony is talking, just google this and see if you can find out. Okay. Well,
2: I was just saying All that right. we did it once on Conan where we um some celebrity uh did something obnoxious, like backed out or wouldn't come on or something or backed out at the last minute. I think it was uh backed out at the last minute and I think it was Rod Stewart. And he screwed us over like really badly. So what they did was they – we used to have this character called Oldie Olsen, which was like a really – he was a really, really wrinkled old man. And we we said that – we dressed him up like Rod Stewart and had him come up and we played like, you know, some Rod Stewart song and had Oldie pretend to be Rod Stewart. And we're like, and here's Rod Stewart. And it was just like this fuck you to Rod Stewart, which makes me think that that this might be that kind of situation. Because it was just such a big middle finger to him.
3: That reminds me of the uh, Mojo Nixon song, Don Henley Must Die. And uh, he, he sings, it's like, Don Henley must die. Don't let him get back together with Glenn Frey. <laughs> and uh, he was in concert one night and, and Don Henley got up on stage with him and sung it with him. It just yeah. makes you think, well, he, he's gotta be a great guy to be able to do that.
2: I, I, um, I, I, this is completely going off the, completely going off the rails here. But if you, if you get a chance to watch the Eagles, um, documentary on like HBO, they go into this whole thing about how they, the two of them hated each other and were in fact cursing each other out on stage. <laughs> and they oh, caught really? it like on the backstage. Yeah. Like on the backstage, uh, the board, the guys on the board, the audio guys caught it and they played it like the two of them cursing at each other. And <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: All right, all, right, all right, let's let's bring it back to James Cameron here. So I, I have smart. another I have another line I wanted to read with, that I thought was brilliant. So and and the the, the house uh, smart house is called E which is oh, obviously yes. like a reference yes. to Sigurny Weaver. Um, but so one of the things she says is that like he never she's c- complaining about James Cameron and she says he never takes my screenplay notes. And she says, you know what you get when you ignore me? Unobtainium and characters <laughs> who fornicate with their ponytails. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh God! I think I have to go back and just watch that episode because it was so masterful.
3: I love that too. How how she starts to like have a character of her own. She starts out as just this like AI, and then she starts to have this real deep character. And she starts to kind of lose it when she talks about him, and she refers to him at one point as (laughs)
1: diabolical Canadian James. (laughs) And then yeah, and then he's he's coming back. Canada joke. He's coming back and um um t- Tiger says like we can take him and Wolf's like no no you can't be- you can't even believe all the things this guy can do he's you know he's you know we're no match for him <laughs> All right so Anthony do we have a verdict on whether he had a cameo or anything
0: I, I don't know with, there's nothing that explicitly says that he had a cameo, but the way they talk about him in some interviews where they're like, oh, we were worried we'd get a call from his people makes me think that he wasn't actually involved. It was just, uh, that they treated it. Yeah. That he, he, that, that I think, apparently he asked them for DVDs after he heard about it, but I don't think he was
1: involved.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. I see that. I see that too. They, his office reached out to us. This is the, uh, director i think saying the the office his office reached out to us after season one and wanted dvds of the episodes
2: (laughs) 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 i've been in that situation where i've had to give um uh bad bad uh how do i even phrase this bad news to somebody who was referenced on a tv show and that is so awkward like you're sitting there going oh my god is he going to be mad
1: Actually, Andrea, I was kind of curious, um, you know, because since cooking plays such a large role in this show and you're yeah. interested in cooking, did that, uh, what did you think of the way that cooking was, uh, portrayed in oh, the show? Oh, I think,
2: I thought it was brilliant. It's like the over the top ridiculous f- fetishization of food and it cooking was- and chefs. I thought was so good. And it's also because it's very timely because we are in this weird age of chefs and cooking and, and cuisine being a fetish. Um, th- Do you know how many cooking shows and baking shows there are on Netflix? Quite a few. Um, it's ridiculous. And the fact that they went and made it a whole ridiculous plot point, I thought was fantastic. It was a great joke and very, very, um, very timely.
1: Well, well, right. So, so Wolf starts up this underground restaurant where they actually kidnap people and bring them to the restaurant and then they think they're going to die. And then they get fed and they just can't <laughs> believe how good the food tastes. And, uh, and again, my, my girlfriend, Stephanie was watching that. She's like, Oh, that's actually a good idea. Cause she's really into those kinds of like, like immersive theater, (laughs)
2: like
0: kinds of things
1: like, like that would make the food taste really good. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that is, yeah, that is a brilliant idea. I'm not that I would do it, (laughs) say anybody should do it, but it's such the wonderfully logic, logically ridiculous, um, you know, uh, extension of the stupid things people do in restaurants these days and because i worked on a cooking show i did a lot of research about crazy ass things that people do doing you know people do their restaurants around it, it, honestly they're not they're only like maybe two rungs on the stupid ladder below that
1: when he's surfing like something whatever with guano moly and yeah. everyone's like eating it and they're like oh my they're just like rapturous <laughs> uh.
2: there's a re- there was a restaurant we found uh, a few years ago that sold um gourmet water for like $45 a bottle i'm not kidding that's a true thing wow wow yeah.
0: So. there you it go. also reminded me of like the um because I you know was not an adult in the 80s and don't know a lot of the restaurant scene in the 80s so I think most of my idea of that comes from American psycho and it definitely also reminded me a little bit of that idea of sort of you know that sort of desperation to to get you know a seat in the most ridiculous exclusive restaurant um which I think is you know still exists that something is that exists today still but a like thing, yeah but it like resonated with that of like oh yeah it sort of like feels like an extension and and like also like all the cocaine use it's oh, like all right oh, yeah, yeah sure this this feels right yeah okay
3: yeah yeah that 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 reference Anthony just reminded me of uh, a great piece in LA story a Steve Martin movie oh, yeah, a long yeah. time ago yeah. where like everybody's talking about getting into this exclusive restaurant <laughs> called Lido Le- yes. and They keep mentioning the word Lido and then when you when they finally get there the sign is
1: L apostrophe idiot it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep <laughs> Oh, that that whole sequence. I mean, I, I, everything in LA Story is is brilliant. But yeah, the the whole thing with the restaurant. I don't want to just go yeah. through it all, but like people go watch LA Story and particularly pay attention to the restaurant part because that's brilliant. Yeah. Um. What else I got? Okay. So my other criticism of the show, and uh, you guys are going to say I'm just like you know, like nitpicking <laughs> the time travel stuff, but like, why is there an evil juice when Josh comes back to the present when that never happens? The other time that he came back to the present, why is why is there suddenly like because and that's the whole back to the future thing is when you come back to your own time, there's not another version of you like you've become whoever the version right. of you is in that. Well, time. so th-
0: there is there is an explanation, even though I didn't find it very <laughs> satisfying, was that there's a line about how specifically when he tells his uncle. To buy the AOL shares, he's creating a fork in his own life. And they say that's why that created a duplicate, which I don't, again, is something you're like, what? Why? That doesn't make any sense, but that is the explanation they
3: offer. Number one, it made sense to me, but number two, it was hilarious that he explains the plot of the show on a whiteboard, like (laughs) in the show. He's like, he's like, okay, guys, here's what's happening. He's got a whiteboard and he's like explaining to, to the two other characters what's happening. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I was I was just like laughing like that's brilliant. And number 2, I did think it made sense because yeah, he's saying when you go back in time, you create an alternate an alternate timeline and now he's in this alternate timeline and in the alternate timeline they well, maybe not, but I was going to say they don't come back. They don't take that juice back in time with them. So when he gets back to that when he enters back into that timeline, he's now um, the guy from, he's the guy from the other timeline and he's forward in this timeline and that juice hasn't gone back in time. So he's still there, but I don't know if I keep thinking about that, maybe it doesn't don't think about it. No, he yeah. did go. Yeah. He went back in time with them
0: when to, well, to, to make that specific fork. Cause he's the, cause the fork is created when he's back in time and says buy the AOL stock or get to take yeah, the but, AOL but job but and wait, buy wait, the stock.
1: How is that different from when he like breaks into his own house and then they, now they have a gun in the house. Because he didn't that change is why it that doesn't...
3: timeline enough to where there was no – to where the they didn't – he didn't change that timeline enough. Like they still came back and got him and brought him back in time in that timeline even though he changed a lot of things. But in the other timeline where it's Joosh, they don't come back in time to get Joosh. They they do something no, I, completely I, different.
0: I think because – I think what happens is, is it's sort of implied that if the change is big enough – to your specific life that it creates a fork and a fork creates a duplicate. But like, you're like, well, okay, well then where, what is the amount of change that is like enough that you would have a duplicate? Why would there not be a duplicate in these other situations? Uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of
2: questions. I'm sorry. I just got to point out the ridiculousness of, of having a logic, expo- uh, a logic argument about <laughs> a, a comedy show about time travel. I'm just saying. Can I, can I just bring up here? That that episode where he fights with with Joosh in the bathroom where they're naked. This we have to go back um, an episode from there to where they 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 have the um, unstable Cameronian in their time time machine and it mixes them up. <laughs> so that J- the Josh ends up with Wolf's uh, penis and they switch penises <laughs> and,
1: and he's ends- like, hey, that's
2: mine. He <laughs> goes, you cock pirate. <laughs> Which was hilarious. And then he looks down, and he says, um, that's a pathetically small cock. It's lacking its warrior's mane. And then they pay that off in the fight scene in the shower because they're naked and <laughs> Josh has this giant schlong. And I just thought that was like, <laughs> boy, you went there, guys. Good for you. <laughs> God bless well, Josh Hutcherson.
1: Well, and they they pay it. I thought you were going to say they pay it off at the very end. Where oh, that, uh,
2: yes, that's a second payoff. Yes.
1: Yeah, where Wolf basically says, "Like, I'm I not even upset that you got dog. my cock. You deserved it." <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs>
2: know. No, but there's another they, joke when they when they uh, blow off steam having sex, and he, oh. they pull him in, and they, he just goes afterwards. I, he <laughs> says to him, "I'm fucking you with your cock." <laughs> Sorry, am I the only one who thinks that's hilarious? No, it's that hilarious. Was, that
1: was really good. Do we, do we, really yeah. do we need to really reiterate that the show is not for everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: right. And not for children either.
0: <laughs> I, I guess so, – but to the point about like ar- arguing about like the time travel mechanics again, I want to say yes. Fundamentally, none of this stuff really bothered me. But I do think that at times – I mean there are things about the show that are good about where they think about how the time travel will work. So I think that it, it – it, is, is like, I don't think it's r- totally ridiculous to say we should think, like, think about this a little because I think the show wants us to. I think, like, actually the show is interested in how the time travel works. It's just that it's in this way that's, that's kind of doesn't really, like, that is creative but doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Um, and it sort of, like, goes back to, like, in some ways, even though I know it's not a comedy, it's sort of how I approach something like Doctor Who, where it, doesn't have to make sense because, you know, time travel isn't real, at least in, in in the present day. But that, like, it's a little bit, it still rubs me a little bit the wrong way where it feels like they're using one set of rules in one situation and a different set of rules in a different situation. Um, and actually, I don't think that happens here. It's more just like, oh, I don't, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but I'm willing to go with it. Um, but, but it's, it's that I don't think, I think, like, this is actually part of what's good about the show is the time travel and the creativity about the time travel. So it's not crazy to kind of focus it on a little,
1: Oh well, right? Exactly. And, and I mean, back to the future is a comedy time travel movie, but within the rules that they established in back to the future, the first one, anyway, it, it all works, you know, it, or at least I, I feel like there's three different ways it can go, right? It's like, it actually works. If you were to sit down with like straws or whatever, like Bruce Willis says in, in Whooper and figure it all all. It actually all works. I think maybe a primer might be like that. Um, or it's, it's like, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it's, um, you know, it bothers you while you're watching it that it doesn't make any sense at all. Or it could fall into a third sort of middle ground where, like, while you're watching it, it all seems to make sense. But then later, when you go back and f- try to figure it out, it doesn't make sense. And I feel like time travel stories, even if they're comedies, should fall into either of the two categories where it seems to make sense while you're watching it. And it does make sense, or it seems to make sense while you're watching it, but it's not till later that you figure out that it didn't. And when it's bothering me while I'm watching it that it doesn't make sense, I feel like that that's a legitimate issue to, to comment on, even in a comedy.
2: Okay. I, I, I feel like it's, since it's this much of a comedy, since it's such a ridiculous, ridiculous comedy, that it's like, it, it doesn't even matter. It's the situations they put them in and the more ridiculous situations that Um, result from the ridiculous situations that they've just messed up. That's the, that's the core of what the story is about. And, and, you know, at this point, the, the, the time travel is just a device. It's, it's a MacGuffin. You know, it's, it's the papers in, in Casablanca. All right. That's not a best, my best analogy, but, um, (laughs) it's, it's just not a thing that's actually, it's, it's a device. It's the thing they're writing to make you laugh.
1: Yeah, and and like I said earlier, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily even change it, but I, I think it's worth talking. It's worth you know, in a science fiction podcast, it's worth talking about.
3: Sure, and I and I I I love to beat a dead horse. So, am I allowed to beat a dead horse? Go yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think <laughs> you know. I, I just, just yelled I'm just,
2: "beat it" at you. Just FYI. You know,
3: now, <laughs> now you sound like Tiger.
2: I do. Um,
3: I, I I'm going to remind myself here of a guy in college. I've sat through an entire. Uh, it was some kind of really bad fantasy movie with this group of guys. And at the end, one of them said, that was a pretty good movie, but in real life, a wizard wouldn't bleed. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so I'm about to sound exactly like that guy. I'll just, I'll just warn you. But, but I, I thought, uh, I really thought the time travel did make sense. And, and Anthony, you're saying like, it doesn't make sense. Like when do you create a fork or when don't you, I think within the logic of the story, I think within their rules, I think they were saying you always create a fork whenever you change anything. But sometimes in the fork you create, things are changed much more drastically. So in some (laughs) in some situ in some of the forks, Josh still goes back in time. So when he comes back to his present, the other him is not there because he's gone back in time with them. But in some forks he's changed it so drastically that when he goes back to the future they haven't taken him to the past, so he's still there. The them from the other... Oh, oh I, see what, you're saying. I that, see what you're saying.
0: That makes more sense because that that the, the way I remember the dialogue is he just says, oh, in this case there was a fork and that's why there was a duplicate, but that, what you're that saying... Is what that is me, what he
3: said, so maybe it's right. reading, it, reading it. But
0: your explanation now, which I think is what you're trying to say before and I didn't understand it, now I understand what you mean by he didn't go back in time, Um. That makes more sense. Maybe that's what they were going yeah, for, and they're like, "We're not going to waste." Brilliant,
1: release. Tom. Yeah, I, I really like that. Okay, so and, and maybe they, they were like,
0: "We don't happens. need to spend five minutes explaining this. It's fine. You'll go with it."
1: Right. 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 Wow. All right. So, like, what else do we need to talk about here? So, um, I guess we can talk about. Uh, so, it, so at the wait, what? Okay, go ahead. I was going to say one last thing with, with
0: Jouche and the duplicates is I thought one joke that they set up that was so perfect. And also I just wanted to say that I loved that there was sort of a pre stardom aquafina just in this oh really God, small yes. role, which was great. Um, She's but also so funny. like how they're, like, cleaning up his house, and then he keeps being like, no, 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 I have people to do that. And then you find out, like, oh, no, 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 he, he pays them, and, in fact, he has no friends in this universe. He just pays people to be his friends. <laughs> and the way, it, the setup and payoff there is just, ah oh, so
3: good.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I, I th- thought
3: th- that was so tragic.
1: Yeah, well, why don't you talk, Anthony, about Aquafina because I, I actually... Even the post-fame Aquafina I wasn't familiar with. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's, there's still like
0: relative levels of it. I think she, so she initially was known for doing these like, um, music videos, um, like funny music videos and was known for that and, and as a comedian. And then she was in Crazy Rich Asians and sort of was like the breakout yeah. star of Crazy Rich Asians. And so it felt like after that movie, she was kind of everywhere and everyone's was like, Oh my God, Aquafina. And, and so, Uh, I feel like it seems less likely that she'd be in such a small role in a relatively unknown show and and again because i'd I'd done so little research before just starting the show it was just the sort of oh 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 wow okay like i didn't expect to see somebody i think of as a celebrity showing up for this tiny thing and i mean there are other kind of fun cameos of semi-famous comedians but that was the one that really tickled me
2: well i think this was in 2017 so they probably shot it in 2016 that's way before um crazy rich asians came out
0: right so yeah
1: well, yeah, I'll, I'll just – I wasn't familiar with her, so I, I actually looked her up. And I guess her her big break was this – she's a rapper I- originally, and she did like a response – so so Mickey Avalon has this like song called My Dick. It was in um, <laughs> the second Harold and Kumar movie. That's how I know it. But so she did like a response to that, and, and I'll just give you some of the lyrics. She says, it's time that we let the world know, bitch, your vag looks like Janet Reno. Aquafina's is <laughs> a genius, and her vagina is 50 times better than a penis.
0: <laughs> wow! I'm so glad that I have created the opportunity yes. for Dave to recite the lyrics to my badge on this podcast. <laughs> that might be the
2: of My day, um,
0: I, yeah. Um, it is. I, I do think it's sort of like similar to Josh Hutcherson in the sense that there, my badge is like one level of fame, and then um, Crazy Rich Agents, or in the case of Josh Hutcherson, Hunger Games, is sort of then the next level of like, oh, lots of people know who this person is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is – I guess Josh, H- Josh Hutcherson had never done television before. It's sort of like a, I, I, I have to wonder if he did this show just because he likes the material um, more so than because it was like the next logical career move is or he, something.
2: Is he listed as one of the EPs, one of the executive producers or something, or one of the writers? I, I thought I caught his name as – He's producer, a producer,
0: not an executive producer.
2: Producer, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, he was really good. I really – um I really dislike his character in The Hunger Games, and I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I always have a hard time thinking, like, well, I dislike the character, but maybe that means the actor is really good, but he was just, you know, he was just so, like, unmotivated, or he just kind of, like, let everything kind of happen to him, and wanted a lot of things, but never really did anything, and that always really bothered me, but in this, he was... Uh, you have to really love the character as well as the actor in this. He does such a great job with with making him this this person who's like so beset by all these things and really wants things to be right and gets so frustrated with everything. You can really feel it.
1: Yeah, I, I thought Did the casting seen... in this was so good. Like everyone, yeah. I can't even imagine anyone else who would be better in any of these roles than the people right. that have. Like his parents yeah. are so good. Oh my god. Yeah.
2: Sadly, Glenn Headley died. Oh no! Yeah, the, the yeah. I think
1: author, she she actually died apparently
0: while while they were in production, which yeah. is why you don't see her at the end.
2: Yeah, it's oh, really my sad. Gosh. Yeah, it was very sad
0: because
1: she was hilarious.
0: Yeah, she, Both of them were were great. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Anthony, were you going to say something else?
0: Oh, I was going to say that you know I it, I do think that it, you also see some of these kind of teen heartthrob. Um, stars like Robert Pattinson from from Twilight also, like, once they get out of that, there is one of these career paths is like, okay, I'm just going to be try to become even more famous. Um, and then the other is, uh, I didn't love that kind of fame. And therefore, I'm just going to do things that are kind of interesting and creative. And maybe that's kind of the path that, that Josh Hutcherson wanted to take. Well,
2: he was also a fairly serious, like young actor. He was the brother, he was the son in um, The Kids Are All Right. Is that the movie about? Oh, that's right. He, yeah, he yeah. was the mm-hmm. son, and he was a, he was also a, a child star. I can't think off the top of my head what he was in, but um, I I have memories of him as a young kid in various movies. Um, so he was actually a serious actor before this. Robert Pattinson strikes me as you know plucked out of nowhere to play this mopey vampire, and then <laughs> you know got sick of the fame and and you know too cool for school, and then started doing all these artsy projects that, you know, none of them were very good, let's face it. Um, now I got Robert Pattinson know, mad at me, but whatever. Uh, I haven't seen
0: a lot of them. Um I, I was definitely not crazy about Maps to the Stars, but I do think he's actually gotten some good reviews where people are like, oh, like, we didn't realize Robert Pattinson is actually a good actor. Um But – Again, the only one I have seen I think is Maps to the Stars, which I did not like at all.
1: Actually, let me say about Josh Hutchinson. I listened to an interview where they asked him what his favorite TV show is currently or something, and he said, "I think Rick and Morty." He said he's like watched every episode so many times he can't even remember how many times he's watched them all. So that 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 would add to my theory that this was a you know of personal. This project was of personal interest oh, to him.
2: I would I would agree with that that it's a personal thing.
1: Um. I feel I feel like it's interesting with Rick and Morty that Rick and Morty has sort of pioneered the the gross humor in time travel stories and also like really really smart science fiction in that context and I feel like maybe a show like um, like Future Man wouldn't be as like good in terms of science fiction and in gross in terms of humor without Rick and Morty because like, I feel like Rick and Mo- this is like seventy five percent to me like as gross and as um, like smart science fiction is Rick and Morty. You know, it's sort of like, you know, it's in that same vein. It doesn't push things quite so far, except I mean, maybe some of the full, uh, full frontal stuff and things like that is maybe like, <laughs> you know, even surpassing Rick and Morty in some respects. But, you know, I think they're definitely kind of in that same, or it's it's sort of like following in Rick and Morty's wake in a way.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely like rick and morty i think a little bit more than i like this because i i agree they're sort of doing similar things and maybe in some ways rick and morty kind of like cleared the way for this but um rick and morty strikes me as like even more inventive and also i like the self-contained nature of rick and morty where each episode could be about anything whereas this one is sort of following one overall plot which i is fine but as sort of for reasons that i expressed earlier i wasn't totally crazy about
1: oh i really liked the fact that this was serialized actually <laughs> okay um i know tom what do you think about this
3: the rick and morty
1: angle or like yeah do you th- or do you think that did you yeah i don't know if you've watched rick and morty or not but like if you have you can comment on that but also just do you think that um did you like the fact that this told one continuous story or do you would you like it more if it was uh, more episodic um, yeah, I have
3: watched Rick and Morty and it, and it is hilarious. And I do, I think that's a really good observation you made that he, he really likes Rick and Morty. And this is, this is similar in a lot of ways. That, that makes total sense to me. And, um, no, I like that it's one continuous story. You know, after we, we just reviewed Dimension 404, which was like, you know, totally new characters and new stories every single time, it was kind of nice to watch something that had a story that kept you going, that, uh, where they could really dig into the characters and, and develop them through a single storyline. I guess you're saying it would have been the same characters, but it would have been, like Rick and Morty, it would have been a di- totally different story every single time. Um, but I, I thought this was, I, don't know, I liked seeing the timeline of events of like, you know, Wolf starts out as just that stereotypical character from the video game that you know who's like, headshot! Like, that guy and then he evolves from there into like oh I actually like cooking a lot and not only that I'm really good at it and not only that but people just really like me like wherever he goes people are just like you're just the greatest guy ever and uh he just gets along with everybody and then he gets like really into drugs and he's like you know basically like proselytizing drugs and telling everybody how great they are and then he gets like all messed up and I I just like that it's fun to watch that happen through it's fun to watch. It's almost reminded me a little bit of, um, you know, one of my favorite books when I was younger was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, how like Marvin the Paranoid Android, just like he's one of my favorite characters ever, right? Because he's like 37 times older than the universe itself because he keeps accidentally <laughs> getting sent back through time so many times. And, uh, and he's gone, and his life is like miserable. Like if anybody who should live a long time, it wouldn't be him. It shouldn't be him because he hates everything and everything is miserable to him, but he's But at the same time, he's had like all these crazy things happen to him. And that's kind of how I see Wolf a little bit. Like he just keeps having all these crazy things happen to him and he keeps, it's fun to watch him develop. And I I actually wanted to see a little bit more of that. I wanted to see him like, you know, maybe abandon the cooking and get into something else that was different even and be really good at that or like, you know, become like a classical, classical pianist or I don't know, something, something crazy like that. It's just such a fun, like, such a fun thing to watch that develop over a series, over a, a timeline, a series of shows that, yeah, I, I like the way they did it a lot. Well,
2: I, I have to say that I love the episode where they go to the 80s and he just walk. he goes to the Corey Hart, uh, no, he goes and plays volleyball and they do that, the volleyball <laughs> yes. scene from Top Gun, including the music. And um, no. wow, was that hilarious. Um And, uh, that whole episode, that's also the one where Josh is going through the house. All the people are going through the house and, uh, Cronish's house. Um, but that whole, that episode has, they make a reference to Silence of the Lambs, Midnight Cowboy, Top Gun. They have Spuds McKenzie. Um, and the, the sculpture that they, everybody keeps knocking into is, it gotta be a reference to Beetlejuice. Um, so they just hit almost every, like all these great. 80s well, did,
1: did you catch? I, I, I didn't catch it until the second time, but the the guy says my cat is named Bunny, and yes, he says, yeah, "Oh, and, I would have and, hit it somewhere yes. else besides the boiler." Boiler, pot if I had... yes. If I, known, <laughs> if I had known,
2: if I know the cat is named Bunny, yeah. So that's uh, Fatal Attraction, which is the name of the the episode, Operation Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Oh, um, very. So clever. it was it was actually an exceptionally clever episode
1: um but yeah i mean i agree that the the, i think i think maybe part of the reason that this works better to my mind as a um as a serialized show whereas rick and morty works better as an episodic show because i feel like the this show has is stronger on the character development than on the inventiveness and rick and morty is stronger on the inventiveness than on the character development and so they just lend themselves to the different formats Mm. sure that's fair interesting uh, I just have a couple of random things I want to mention. So um, I don't know if you guys have watched American Ninja Warrior, but there's this amazing um, contestant, Jessie Graf who's won everything. And she's the stunt woman for Tiger in this show.
3: Oh, oh wow. wow.
1: Oh. Um, I no and then if you watched it with closed captioning, I just want to say that they have to fire the person and or computer program that did the closed captioning. Because it's it's really bad. Like one thing that's that jumps out at me is when they're taking Jerry back to be interrogated. Uh, Wolf says we have an asset to interrogate, and the closed captioning says we have an Aztec to interrogate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that came from.
2: Here's something interesting because the only time those things ever mess up is when it's live television. They're usually messed up in like live live news. But when they send shows to get to the – they're all done by um companies. There's one specific company. I can't remember the name of it that does it. They send them a script. So they send them the video and they send them a script. So the fact that they fucked it up is ridiculous. They really they, – somebody needs to get fired for that.
1: Hmm. Um, Crazy. all right, does we need to start wrapping this up pretty soon. I guess does anyone have any just other general yes. comments before I talk about the ending? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I do uh one getting Corey Hart to come on the show was genius. God yeah. bless Corey Hart um and my other thing is, did anybody else catch the fact that she had the number forty five scarred on her arm?
1: Yeah. No, nope.
2: On her, <laughs> am, I, am I making this up? I don't know. She has the number forty-five. It's a scar on her arm, like a raised scar. I couldn't get my eyes off of it, and I'm like, is this a reference to a certain president? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I I was just so prominent. I I, I don't. I can't believe it, nobody else saw that.
1: Well, I mean, cause their resistance movement is called the resistance and she sa- she has a tattoo, um, that seems to say resistance yeah. or something. You yes, can't see on her all chest.
2: of it. Yeah, on her chest. It so, says resistance.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're tying it in with that idea in contemporary maybe. culture. I don't know. Just
0: although there, are, it also seems like they're trying to set up more plot for her too. Cause there's the whole thing about her not, um, being affected by the gas. Um, so it seems like there's some backstory that's probably going to be explored in later seasons.
1: See, I I thought the implication, and like I said, none of us have watched season two, so this probably gets answered, I would imagine, pretty quickly. But I thought the implication was that Tiger is actually a biotic or something when she's not affected by the gas. Oh. Right. That's what I thought.
0: But it was never – it was just that one scene and then not followed up on in the the current scene. So it seems like there's – whether she – I think probably she's a biotic. Maybe there's something else going on.
3: Right.
1: Um – yeah, so probably we won't spend too much time speculating about season two because we can just go watch it right away. It's kind of um... – <laughs> We could just look really dumb. Yeah. Um, but uh, see, what we should do is we should have actually watched it and then we could just come up with brilliant predictions that are all like uncannily oh. accurate.
0: <laughs> Maybe someone has done that and they're
1: just not admitting it. <laughs> Um, but yeah. So I don't know. We we're out. We're out of time. So why don't we start wrapping this up? So um, and like we could we could seriously. I feel like we could do a three hour podcast just talking about jokes that worked in this show.
3: Yeah. Okay. There's one. There's one I have to mention. There's, there's, because because it's like it's all the way they the setup for it is all the way through the show, and it's in episode 11 that it finally pays off. He keeps saying, "You guys don't know this. This is like time travel 101." He like says that like 10 times throughout the yeah, series. He does. And then at one point he she he does something wrong, and Tiger says to him, "That is time travel one on one." Even though I've never been to your your stupid made up time travel college. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, I, all right, now I got to bring up one last joke that I thought was hilarious. It's in the last episode where she's fighting with the woman about the uh, setting the bomb off, and she doesn't want to kill the little girl when they're in the lobby of the building. And the 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 uh, the girl the woman's name is Dingo. And she tries to she tries to take the locket with a picture of baby Cronish, and, oh. and she goes, she "No, Dingo, do not take my baby." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, but I, I missed that. Tw- I missed that. Watch, even watching it twice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that it's is It's such good. a quick joke that it's like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, um, and that's talk about a setup because they had to set that up from a while ago that there was somebody right? named Dingo and bring her back. Like, right. Wow. That's a long game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so wow. So even, yeah, probably I should, I need to watch this again to pick up some, some jokes I missed even after watching it twice. But yeah, like it's, it's really funny. Like I said, the humor is not for everyone, but if it's your sort of humor and if you're, you know, if you like science fiction, this is like, because there aren't very many, you know, there, there's a lack of uh, comedic science fiction. And then there's particularly, there's a lack of comedic science fiction. That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, And, and this is that. So if you, uh, you know, if like, you know like particularly Tom and me if you like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and stuff and you're just always on the hunt for more humorous science fiction uh definitely check this show out. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um all right anyone have any any final thoughts? Uh, Anthony final thought? Um I don't have a joke that I wanted to shout out but I
0: do want to just say that I, as much as we were talking about all the amazing cast and they they really are all very good is I think Derek Wilson as Wolf is Yeah. Probably the MVP, just, like, the complete commitment and the way he does that ridiculous voice for the entire <laughs> yeah. season is just so impressive. And just completely commits to this insane character. Um And less flashy, I, I also really liked Keith David, and, and I thought that, like, he was the reason why, like, there's, like, uh cronish when he has his death scene at the end it actually is kind of sad yeah. and and it's no like, totally yeah. because yeah, he yeah. really sells it like he like that there's this sort of like dignity to his performance that i just um and i mean he's great throughout the whole thing but especially that that death scene i thought was really good yeah yeah he, he was i agree he was great
3: have, have you guys seen ho hotep no i have yeah he's yeah he's a great, great movie he, he's great in that too
1: yeah, and I was I was really impressed by the performances from a lot of these actors. That I'm, I mean, maybe there are stuff that I haven't watched, but I wasn't super familiar with some of these actors. And I thought, like I said, every, everyone in this I thought was great. Um Andrea, final thought.
2: Um, just I had I don't, I don't ha- I didn't have any nitpicks with this at all. Um, usually the funny part of doing one of these things is if we watch something terrible and just. <laughs> You know, there's always there's always fun in in making fun of something that's really bad. I had nothing bad to say about this. I, I spent 13 episodes laughing my ass off out loud, which is really hard to do because, as you know, I'm I'm dead and hollow inside. Yeah, so,
1: you're like Tiger yeah, basically. I
2: am like Tiger exactly. Then. <laughs> um, so she actually even had a tattoo that was like mine. I was like, hey. <laughs> What's going on? Um, so, yeah, uh, the fact that it had me – You're
1: like – it's like you and James Cameron just both got put in this show without your permission. <laughs> That's right.
2: I'm suing. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. Um, the fact that I had nothing bad to say about this and that I legitimately laughed out loud at uh, throughout every episode is just uh, – I- I'm so glad you asked me to do this. I'm so glad I watched this because it was um, – a great experience. Really funny. Anybody, go watch this. Go watch the show. There. I
1: yeah. And if you listen to our Dimension 404 panel, you know that Andrea has high standards <laughs> for humor and doesn't necessarily <laughs> love everything that she watches. <laughs> I,
2: I Necessarily? Right. Like not nine times out of ten, I don't like it. But no, this was fantastic. I'll, yeah. I'll totally right in my wheelhouse.
1: <laughs> All right, Tom, final thought.
3: Yeah, I, I loved it. I definitely thought there were a couple episodes here or there that were weaker than others, but there were, they were few and far between. And I thought that, you know, some, a couple of the episodes were downright transcendent. Like just where I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe how they, they just seem to be making it one better and one better with everything they yeah. do. Um, and yeah, love the characters, love the, the casting and the, the, uh, acting and the direction and the writing. I, I thought everything was really good in this and. I'll, I'll definitely watch the next season for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, everyone, if you're listening to this, definitely watch season one of the show. And then, you, even if you've heard all this, you can immediately go and start watching season two, which is uh, in progress and totally unspoiled by us at, <laughs> anyway. And I'll, you know, I'm probably going to go watch season two right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's wrap things up there. So, we've been speaking with Anthony Ha, Andrea Kale, and Tom Grenzer. So, thanks everyone so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to Anthony Ha, Andrea Kale, and Tom Gerencer for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoyed the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And I want to give a special thank you to Jesse Lerma, who just made a one-time contribution to the show via PayPal. So a big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so that was our show. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com.